It's time to feel the rage. Welcome to Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, coming attractions, streaming, and classic films as well. Directors and actors beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hello, Jim. Hey, hey. And don't you forget about him. He'll be alone dancing. You know it, baby. It's Murray. Yo. So with the introductions out of the way, let's rage on. I would never forget about the merman. Never. Never. Ever. Okay, quick quick shout out everybody. Check out all the horror at all the horror 18 at Instagram and Twitter to check out an amazing festival that we're going to be a part of for October and check out scaresthatcare.org for the charity that this podcast event is supporting. There's new t-shirts online right now, so go shopping and everything's on sale. So get it while it's hot. Well, what did we see in theaters last week? Well, nothing. No, no, we saw something. We saw something. We saw something. We saw Brotherhood. At? The Globe. Did you meet the director? No. No. He was stopped. No, he was not able to attend. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. At the border or something? I don't know what happened, but the the Q&A was a no-go, but the film was a go. So, based on a true story in 1926, a bunch of teenage boys, along with some questionable adult supervision embark on a canoe trip that ends in tragedy. Uh, There's an expression that goes all killer, no filler when something is amazing from start to finish. This movie was more like all filler, no killer. The meat of the story was... The boat was a killer. The meat of the story was the tragedy that occurred, but it seemed like a sidebar to the stories going on prior to said tragedy. That would be fine if we got some more character development so I could care about these boys involved, but sadly, none of the characters were fully developed and I didn't care as much as I should have. This movie was not bad. This movie was not good. This movie was meh. That was very concise. So, uh, good stuff. Uh, Brennan Fletcher was great. And some of the scenery was great. And then it was a traditional Canadian drama that filled too much space with non-essential dialogue and additional stories on a drama that just needed a simple plot. I did not hate anything about this movie, but I also did not love anything in it either. Ditto. The first portion of the film, putting all the kids together, did feel a little, um, little bit too much situational dialogue and was a bit forced to me. Plus, there was a few things that did not make sense, like... When the brother, like near the end of this boat ride, shall we say, don't want to give too much away, when the one brother just goes, I want you to take this, and then he disappears. It made no sense to me. I was kind of like, okay, that really, there was no reason. Everybody was floating. I don't know why he just decided to get off the boat. Like, I don't know if that was just to bring out a little bit more emotion in us or what the story was, but I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't see why it made sense. And I was kind of right about the great homoerotic phallic overtones in this movie. I mean, it started with a half-naked teacher slash camp counselor doing push-ups half-naked. Yes, so, doing push-ups in his towel. Exactly. And then, and then they showed when all the boys got together, 
push-ups and calisthenics and shirtless lacrosse. If I was a gay 14-year-old boy, this would be my new favorite movie, at least for some of it. But that ship has sailed. Oh, wait. I mean, Canoe has sailed. Mm. Gets a support Canadian film biopic meh from me. Yeah. It was meh. Meh. Yeah. You know, I'm glad the story was being told. Like, this is a story I didn't know anything about. So I actually went back and did a bit of reading on it. As did I, yep. And it's it's something, you know, when we have Canadiana history that's kind of, like, this must have been super controversial in the 20s. First of all, all those... Well, maybe not. That's not the controversy. But they have all these boys. All I think a lot of them were kind of orphaned, or you know, because their dads had died in the First World War, and it was just. It was an interesting idea for the story. I just feel that it might have been done a little bit better. But I did like some of the scenery. I do think it's worth to at least check it out. A lot of it was well shot. Yeah, very well shot. It was pretty movie to look at for the most part. And I did really like Brendan Fletcher in this. I thought he did a great job. I thought you were going to bring up the sound because the sound was really good Oh, yeah, the sound. That's right. I I was gushing. Yeah. Gushing is my new favorite word, by the way. Yeah, that's fantastic. I kind of like saying gushing. It's like wrench. Gush away. Yeah, the sound was incredible. Like, I thought the mix of the sound all the way through it was fantastic. And there was moments where you're in the water, like, they're in the water floating, and you could literally feel, like, I'm in the middle of this lake, in the middle of nowhere. You could hear a pin drop. The the sound was really good, and we had a really good surround sound in the globe. So, yeah. Cool. If you like sound, this could win an award. There you go. What did we see? We We... It's not really in theaters, yeah. but I think it's kind of classified. That's what I was going to say. Because we're, we're, we're doing two movies now in a row that weren't really in theaters. But, but we're going to say it's TIFF, right? So yeah, if, if we could tiff fly to TIFF, sif, so. if we could fly to TIFF yes. and see this movie in theaters, we would. But we couldn't. So we had to see it. Uh, uh, so, I mean, it's it's not streaming anywhere, but with SIF right now. So this was or, part, of the, TIFF, part of the Midnight Madness Toronto International Film Festival series. And this one was called Get the Hell Out. Get the Hell Out, Jim. And I will not. Taiwan's parliament turns deadly when a virus transforms politicians into ravenous zombie mutants directed by Ai Fang Wang. Is that Ai Fang Wang? Sure. Ai hyphen Fang Wang? Hi, Fang Wang. Yifan Wang. Yifan Wang. Thank you. Okay, Yifan Wang. Uh, Bruce Hung, Francesca Cow or Cow? Cow. Cow and Megan Lay. Why? Lai. There we go. I got them all wrong, but I'm glad Bryce much. is here as, as my uh, as my spell voice check. You made every one of them dirty. So I always I always enjoy that. your attempts, though, Jim. <laughs> That's good. Uh, toenail clipper or axe. Choose your weapon. And strap on and get ready to fuck up some zombie douchebags. If you thought it started at an 11 because it was a zombie flick, you'd be right. But soon into the film, we are introduced to our ass-kicking, dick-punching, harakana-flipping, rage-filled heroine. I was instantly in love, and it quickly Hurricana flipped me into a 12 range. That would be a Hurricane Rana for all of you. There you go. I'm wondering what he's talking about. I don't know what wrestling is. Is that that like a special wrestling move? It is. Is it really? Like it's an actual thing that happens in wrestling? Hurricane Rana is is an actual move. See, that shows you how much wrestling I actually know. But she was doing it 
like a pro. She was. So yeah, I was instantly in love and quickly, what's the word again? Hurricane Rana. Hurricane Rana flipped into a 12 range. Actually, very fast. I'm just going to pause and think of how excited I was when she first released the full force of her rage. Yes. At this point, I would like to point out that I would literally lick the dirt off the bottom of her steely, fabulous shoes that she so ragefully crushed our hero's chest with near the beginning of this film. Mm. I have never been so aroused by beautiful shoes as I have been at this point in this movie. The colors of these shoes, along with the wardrobe in this film, are colorful to say the least. Mm. This is an amazing, fun-filled zombie political ride to Fabo fun times. It is funny, silly, crazy, and heartwarming. If you have ever wondered what Taiwanese parliament arena meets zombie pandemic is, look no further. This is a fun, gory, blood-filled wrestling match that everyone can enjoy. Gets a toenail-clipping, ass-kicking, zombie love story, Taiwanese Mondo style. Hmm. Favorite line, apart from nose bleeding, I can't do anything. Mm. What do you say? What do I say about get the hell out? I just like saying the title. Get the hell out. Get the hell out, Jim. Uh, Taiwan politics zombie style. Uh, Very political, but very entertaining romp. I wonder how many gallons of blood it took to make this one. No. It was nice to see everything soaked in blood without CGI. Um... There was probably a little no, bit of CGI in there. Not the blood, though. Lots of practical effects with minimal CGI. And when CGI was used, it was kind of kind of added oh, to the fun. Awesome. Yeah. Watch for the ridiculous CGI explosion towards the end of the film. <laughs> so it was a lot good. of fun. Uh, sometimes a movie just needs to deliver what is expected. And this delivered everything I wanted. We got blood and gore. We got violence. We got humor. We got zombies. We got more than we probably even deserved. For those reasons, this gets a non-CGI blood-soaked Mondo. Sweet. And, you know, we've talked about our love of real blood and our lack of love for CGI. But this is another perfect example where CGI is funny when it's done right and more blood, more better. Fabo. Anything else you want to add, Mur? Is this something you would ever want to see? I know there was a lot of subtitles. I probably would have, yeah, if I'd known about it. Ah, that's too bad. It was what, thirty bucks? Holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> it was something like that, plus service charges. I mean, it was like, something like thirty dollars or something. Movie? It was nineteen dollars. Okay, well, still, Jeez. it's above uh, a little it was bit. A, it was a bargain. It was yeah, at half the price. Yes, well, Tiff, Tiff, uh, Tiff's got to pay some bills. I do uh, indeed. So what else did we see? We saw, uh, we got a special sc- uh, pre-screening of, uh, uh, that's, uh, of uh, Death, Death of Nintendo. Death of Nintendo, yeah, I'm all tongue twisted Which here. is actually playing at SIF next week. This will be playing at the Calgary International Film Festival. Um, and yeah, we got to see a little advanced screening of it, so that was kind of exciting. And we can talk about it because... It has played at some other festivals. It has indeed. So it's not a surprise. No. But this is a reason to go see some Sith films. It is indeed. So Death of Nintendo is a coming-of-age story that takes place in the Philippines in the early 90s, directed by Rhea Martin. 
and is an official selection for this year's Calgary International Film Festival. The filmmaker was generous enough to provide us with an advanced sneak peek of her latest film. The movie does an excellent job of taking us back in time. I could relate, as I'm sure most could, to the situations that these characters were involved in. On that point, I feel where this film really excelled was the development of the principal characters. I really enjoyed getting to know Paolo and his friends. There was a rawness to this story that made it feel very genuine. These kids, these were kids that I think we all probably knew when we were growing up. And many of the motivations and emotions of the characters were universally relatable. Who hasn't had that friend that they wish was more than a friend? Who hasn't been in love with that girl who may be a little out of your league? Who hasn't had a, been in a situation when you have to stand up to a bully? This is all universal stuff. The young actors in this were very, very competent. With uh, Noel Comia Jr. as Paolo standing out. He was quite good. He was. Uh, while this movie covered a lot of familiar territory, what it lacked in originality, it more than made up for with heart. Um, overall, this was a very good movie. I enjoyed it a lot. Not enough to make it a mondo. But it's well worth checking out. It's a it's a coming of age meh, but it's a high meh. Well, that's not too bad. So, for me, first no, for the most part, I hate period pieces, and almost second to that is coming of age films. Love coming of age films. Which this was both. Yes. But I got interested once I heard fourteen year olds. Who wanted to get circumcised? Sure did. I mean, what the fuck? What's happening here? Plus, then Nintendo addiction? Circle jerks at the pool? Pin the underwear on the wall contest? I was hooked. The director does a great job with the non-space, as I like to call it. What not said, or the looks, or they make a point and the audience can get that point by nothing being said. I really love the way the director did this. All the kids were very likable and not really annoying. So this is a huge plus for me because most teenagers I want to punch in the face. Got to say, the period piece was not needed at all. Death of Nintendo is just a metaphor for leaving your childhood behind. It could have easily have been the death of Xbox or the death of PlayStation 4. So no, I, I am not agreeing mm. that this needed to be a period piece. Yeah, and I am not going to ever agree that that is the case. Totally is the case. But I'm not going to make a big deal of it anyway. Cool. It worked well within this film. It gets a pretty solid, likable Filipino period piece. Meh. So <laughs> I want to say thanks to SIF for programming this for their upcoming festival. Definitely worth a look and a great opportunity um, contrast to something like perhaps Mulan, which I refuse to see. So if you're looking for a teenage angst film that has some amazing things in it, like circle jerks or other things such as throwing your cum stained underwear against the wall to see who sticks the longest, this is the movie for you. I'm not sure that anybody's really looking to that, but I don't know. That was a lot a, of other things. That was a winner. Movie. That was the whole reason I wanted to see this. I heard four, three, Three, four, three, three plus a, a sister. Yeah. What is that? Like, she's like part of the audience. I want to watch you guys. I'll get circumcised. 
Christ. Then one guy brings his sister along to watch them get circumcised. I was like, okay, they're pretty she close. Did, she wasn't there to They're watch pretty good them. brothers. She was just pretty close sister keep, brother stuff. Keeping them company until they got there. Hold his hand on the way back Nobody, on the bus. Oh, yeah. Call the ambulance when they are bleeding to death. Yeah, exactly. This had a lot of good that, parts in that, it. That scene was actually awesome. There, like, there was a lot of good that, scenes in that this. That first knife that he pulls out. <laughs> yeah, it was like brought back memories He's of like, roots. Don't worry, I've got a smaller one for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Do well. Do you remember the scene from Roots? When yep. Kunta Kinte got yeah. got circumcised, yeah, 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 hold yeah. out your fatus. Yeah. I was kind of waiting for the Filipino version of that, but it didn't. I wasn't. It, yeah. <laughs> oh well, that's too bad. Okay, that's all we saw kind of in theaters. I know Tiff is, and Sif weren't in theaters, but yeah, whatever. We make our own rules sometimes. Let's make the rules. Well, what's coming out this weekend? Apparently, there's just one thing, and that's The Nest. Is this even confirmed? Have we seen yeah, this? Yeah, it's coming out. You're like, you've actually seen a listing for yes, it? Yes, I could have bought tickets yesterday. Okay, good, good. So we are seeing this on Friday. I'm looking forward I to it. I don't know what time, but we are seeing it. Life for an entrepreneur and his American family begin to take a twisted turn after moving to an English country manor. Director-writer Sean Durkin, Jude Law, Carrie Coon, and Anne Reed all star in this. I am a huge Jude Law fan. Like, he's one of my total man crushes. Yeah, he can do no wrong. Although he did make Elfie, so he's, he's, all right. he's being punished for that. Yeah, looks good. Well-reviewed Sundance 2020 selection. Um, we will see what we think next week. I was going to say hopefully, but you're saying it is definitely playing. It's 100% playing. We will 100% see this all right. on Friday. So I'm, there's other movies being released in Canada. I but have not a feeling here. we're not going to get them, though. We're not getting the pants movie either. So I'm just going to bring that out again. I'm pretty pissed. Yeah, I might actually mention that later. Maybe we should, um, we should try and see if we can stream it somehow. Because I really want to see Slacks. Yes. The other thing is, uh, remember we, we wanted to see uh, Radioactive on Prime. Yes, like, it's now on Veer if you don't demand. It's it's well, it's it's been it's been in Yankee Land on Prime since July 24th, but in, Ca in Canada we haven't been able to see it, so they they get to see it down in Yankee Land. We have to spend ten bucks or twenty bucks to see it up here. We, I guess, is that the case? And it's also be having a limited release this Friday, so if you live in Toronto or whatever you get to watch it so i was hoping that maybe it would come out somewhere here but it's not looking it's not looking likely uh the other thing that's coming out this weekend which i saw the the trailer for probably about a month ago is kajillionaire um what it's, it's got richard jenkins and what? deborah winger and evan rachel wood what? deborah winger yeah it looks awesome and of course we don't can't get it and it's another limited release i am just sick of this i bet you the plaza crop. would have got it if the plaza still existed Maybe. can if anyone is listening who is a multi-millionaire can they please buy the plaza and the globe and murray right. will run it for you that's right he'll quit his job tomorrow absolutely just contact film rage and tell us that you've bought it we want to see proof first and then murray will quit his job and you can hire him to manage it right mur absolutely perfect then we All can right. see these movies yes all right. So that's it. That that's all that's coming out next week. Wow, that's all that's not coming out next week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Ready to dance. Let's dance. 
streaming. Motherfucker streaming. We've been just streaming. And Bryce, we did what? Streaming. Murray, did you stream some stuff? Did you watch some movies on your big TV? No streaming. Oh, Murray. No streaming for you. But I bet you had some candy. Always. Sweet, sweet candy. Well, what did we stream last week? I don't know, Jim. What did we stream last week? We saw hashtag alive. Oh, yeah. We did see that. I know. I don't have to say it, but this started at 11 and never dropped the entire movie. Great camera work, zombie action, acting, and all things apocalypse. And yes, just like a Korean zombie trademark, the fantastic, spastic, crackling, twitchy zombie transformations were fucktastically delicious. Oh, Korea, I love you so much, and your zombie movies are amazing. Unlike movies that say they are zombie movies, but are really Fast and the Furious franchises. That's right, Peninsula, I'm calling you out. This takes Korean movies to a whole different level. Even introduces smart zombies that can run. Okay, so the remake of Dawn of the Dead brought us running zombies, but now smart running zombies? This actually got to a 12 at one point, and we are only 30 minutes in. Foot, pedal, motherfucking yes, and don't take it off. Well, okay, it didn't for a while. Oh no, what? Plot development? Dun, dun, dun. And we've got an alarm. There's a, lar- a car alarm going off, people. Awesome. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Plot development. And the plot was also zomtastic. Now, what is the thing we like best about Korean zombie movies? Pile zombies, as I like to call them. And yes, we did get a pile, not a big pile, but there was a pile that came out of the elevator, which was pretty cool. They stayed at a 12 right up until the end. But then the ending took a very bad turn for the worse. Then it got all predictable, not original, sappy ending. Although I did not like the ending at all. I still loved everything else about this movie. It gets still gets a train to Busan worthy Zomtastic Mondo. And I know you might not love this, but I did. So a zombie movie does not have to be original to be good. It does, however, have to be good to be good. (laughs) This takes an unoriginal concept and turns it into an unoriginal movie. This is another zombie flick to throw on the pile. None of them are bad. All of them are somewhat entertaining. But we are getting so many of them that I think it's time to take a break for a while from the genre. No. I have often said that it is almost impossible to make a bad zombie movie. While that is still true, many films of late have come close. (laughs) Having said that, there was enough here to rate meh. Oh, good. Just enough. Okay. I don't really want to. You you said all you were going to say. What did you hate about it? What did you not like the most about it? All the stuff that you're saying was like great. I was like, I don't know. I kind of liked it. I kind of liked the fact that 
they it was a it was a, it was really not it was a zombie movie but it wasn't it was inside the headspace of these two characters yeah. that somewhat fall in love I, i'm not a big yeah. fan of love stories so that was bothersome but i did like the whole fact of they actually took you through the journey of him first of all he was supposed to go grocery shopping but he was too lazy masturbating and playing video games that he didn't go and buy his groceries so when the zombie pandemic happens and he can't leave his house i kind of like that that direction the story took like there's not a lot of there's not a lot of zombie movies that have two central characters in the same way that they had this this was really their connection and yeah, the zombies were just kind of peripheral to it okay but like what flicks. but yeah but no but i know but it was some of the things they did were really creative like that he used like they tried to communicate and they couldn't she threw stuff and then like because they, they were across from each other in this giant uh open courtyard where there's zombies below so he he gets uh he gets the what do they call those things drones has a drone gets it out like there's just some creative things that in my opinion made it more korean like like drones are obviously everywhere but the tech the tech world of korea they're much further ahead than most of us canadians so it it kind of had a little bit more of a a tech friendly zombie feel to it where they developed these characters so i was perfectly fine with it but i, I got zombie fatigue man oh man well we did see two zombie films this week so yeah. I'll give you that. The other one was better. I'll give you that for it was sure. Way more entertaining. It was. It was fun. This one wasn't fun or funny. No. It was just zombie. Yeah. But I loved it. All right. Fair enough. We also saw uh, My Octopus Teacher on Netflix. Uh, by the way, hashtag alive that we were just talked about was also on Netflix. I don't know if we mentioned that. We did not, so thank you. Uh, My Octopus Teacher on Netflix. Uh, this is presented as a documentary, but that's not really what I watched. Uh, Craig Foster films an octopus in the kelp forest in South Africa. Very stagey and convoluted. I guess I was supposed to watch a friendship being forged between man and octopus. I saw an octopus that put up with a man that had an odd obsession. I am pretty sure he wanted to make sweet love to that octopus the way he was talking about it. <laughs> I'm positive. Yes. I but, have to tell uh, you a story about that later. But then he just watched it as it got attacked by a shark. So where's the love in that situation? Honestly, I just didn't like Craig Foster. He came across as creepy and not in a good way. The film was, <laughs> the film was depressing. <laughs> and not worth my time. If you want to learn about octopi, watch a BBC Nature documentary on the subject. Don't watch this stagey and sad film. This was a rage. Wow, a rage. I am surprised. Well, kind of not. Uh, are you a vegan? I know you are. If not, this may help you to convince you you should start thinking about it. This movie, which at times is super creepy... Like, what is this guy's fascination with a octopus? Yes, it felt creepy, and not just because it's a slimy octopus. I also felt like he was trying to get jiggy with this octopus. Like I was wondering what scenes were edited from this movie that we didn't see. Maybe he, the octopus just wasn't hanging on to his hand. It was holding on to another appendage. Oh, I'm sure there's a triple X version, version of, of this, this. movie, oh, which yeah. I kind of also want to see. Triple X director's cut. Yes. Well, 
that is what I was thinking for pretty much the beginning of this whole movie. I couldn't get past the creep factor, and my wife kept giving me shit. Stop thinking of this as being dirty. I'm like, you can't help it making you think it's oh, dirty. Oh, it was dirty. But as I continued to watch it, I actually started to fall in love with this little girl octopus. And maybe because I am a meat eater, I was, um, I wasn't like attracted to her, like you know, like um, what's like his name, was. Willy Wonka, like Willy Wonka was to the sheep in uh, the Woody Allen movie. Remember the the sheep? He's yeah. from Everything You Want About Sex with yeah, 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 um, yeah, 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 Gene Wilder yeah, 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 when he yeah. falls in love with Dolly or whatever her name is. Yeah, it wasn't like I was falling in love with the octopus. I just there was things about the octopus that actually started making me think that holy crap. Um. <laughs> true i'm just if shaking you like, my head over here if by the you way. like nature films and crying about your best best friend dying like if your best friend was an octopus yeah you know then what this if movie my best is for friend you. Was, if my best friend was being attacked by a shark i wouldn't just watch it yeah but that's not what the documentary is about he can't go protect his friend from the shark it, it's a you nature film if it's my friend i'm gonna protect it well well but maybe it was his lover and he was tired of it after a while i don't know this gets a vegan-friendly, vegan love-your-neighbor-like-your-octopus meh from me because I could not fully love this movie. But, but I do think... I think people should see this, even how no. creepy it is. I do. I think... Ugh. Okay, so... Okay, so... Yeah, you can rage all you want, but you already are a vegan, so you already love all animals. So it's kind of... You're looking at it from a different perspective, but as someone who is a meat-eater, as I was watching this, I'm like, holy fuck, like if... If octopus have that much thought process, it kind of made me not want to eat octopus anymore. So yeah. isn't that a positive spin? Like you're you're not looking at it with a with a meat eating lens. You're looking at it through a veil of seaweed that you might have just eaten. Mm. Right? Can you see my point? No. Well, because you're you're thinking about it more like a sexual attraction thing. That's all it was. <laughs> this was a sideshow. Okay, maybe this is maybe I'm just. A this little, was a sideshow with some fancy maybe I'm editing. Just a, maybe I'm just a little vegan curious. But do you look at all animals the same way? Like I mean, all animals? Like they're all equal? I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Wink, wink. Do you look at all animals in the same way? I still don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'm sure everybody else does. So I'm going to take that as a yes. <laughs> you take it any way so you want. You can, I, I that's kind of like you are by the sounds of things. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Okay, so we got a meh and we got a rage. It was awful. All right, let's talk about Get Duked on Prime. So know this ahead of time. Actually, maybe I'll just talk a little bit about what's this story. Uh, and... Anarchic, an anar anarchistic maybe hip hop inspired comedy that follows four city boys on a wilderness track as they try to escape a mysterious huntsman. Woo! Director writer Ninian Dolph is that like is this Scottish? So it's like what? Ninian Dolph. Ninian Dolph stars Samuel Bottomley, Viraj. Junanj Nuna Junja Junja Junasia Junate Junasia oh, that's pretty good uh Rian Gordon Lewis Crippen Eddie Ryan. Eddie Izzard Kate Dickey and James Cosmo All right So yeah also can I just bitch about IMDb for a second because sure. I had to add a bunch of names on here who were the actual stars of the movie the kids 
got like second billing on IMDb. So that's come on, not, IMDb. That's not cool. It's not stupid. IMDb. They're the stars of the movie. Exactly. Know this ahead of time. Human hunt movies are already an 11 for me. So I was pumped to see this movie. Lots of clever, quick quips and humor sprinkled through this little nugget. I love forks. They are here in this movie. So if you like forks, you might like this movie. Some good humor, but seem to have a bit of an identity crisis. Is it a comedy? Is it a horror? Is it a musical? Because that even showed up. Wasn't too bad, but did not love how it started to feel too much like a teenage angst film and not as much kick-ass and punch dicks hunt movie. Gets a subtitled Scottish meh. And my favorite line, and like I said, I've still got my fork and it's well sharp. Yeah, that's a good line. Mm -hmm. It was a good line. Actually, the guy who played, what was his name? Tony? No, it was uh, Malcolm? No. Anyway, the guy who carried the fork, he was probably the funniest part of the movie. There you go. What'd you think? Um, yeah, it had some funny bits. It, it was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and put up above. That's it, folks. Yeah, pretty That's much. all, folks. It's pretty unoriginal. I uh, felt like I'd seen this movie before. Yeah. I like I like DJ Beatroot. Yeah, he, DJ Beatroot laid some beats, baby. Yeah, he's entertaining. Did you like the musical interlude that he, yeah, he laid down for us? Yeah, it was mildly mildly entertaining. Um, yeah, this is a man, and that's all I really have to say. Yeah, it's kind of um, as far as hunt movies go. We'll probably not remember this next week. I've forgotten that we were even talking about it until you started talking about it. I'm like, did I see this? Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, and then I And then I had to literally, like, read what I wrote down. I was like, eh, that's too much. I need to shorten this. Yeah. And there you did. And, and you did. It's so meh. you could just, if it say, what, how could you sum up this entire movie? It would just be meh. Yep. As would I. Cool. Oh, rage, 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 rage. So anybody who's been on social media this last week or on the web, there's two stories that are traveling through with rapid fire escalation. Number one is Captain America's wiener. And number two is cuties. And the push for a whole bunch of angry Karens trying to get this movie pulled from Netflix. Is cuties child pornography? No, it's not. How do you know? Let me finish my rage, buddy. Okay. No, it's not. Because if it was, the people who made it would be in prison and this movie would not be playing anywhere. That's a good point. So, thank you. So you said you weren't going to say I had a good point through this whole rage, and yet now you are. So shut the fuck up. They'd be in prison right now. So I am going to assume it's not child pornography. Do I even want to see this movie? No, I do not. I also do not want to see Toddlers and Tierras published on TLC, which I find even more offensive than anything that has ever been produced anywhere, anytime, or ever will. Or the Kardashians. No, I do not want to see them 
as I feel they offend my intelligence and are bad influence on society in general. I also find Sunday afternoon televangelists offensive. This, in my opinion, should be against the law. These are all in their own way offensive. So, do I think that this boycott of Netflix for showing the movie Cuties should happen? No, I do not. And I mean, should we all now boycott Apple because they allow you to stream the 1978 film Pretty Baby starring a 12-year-old Brooke Shields who appears fully naked in this movie, at least the original cut? Or Kirsten Dunst in her 11-year-old portrayal of an 11-year-old vampire for the violence that she does on film? Or how about Chloe Grace Moretz, who uses the C-word multiple times in the movie Kick-Ass, as well as an ultra-gory violence she inflicts throughout this entire movie, and where she is acting years beyond her actual age? Cuties is an award-winning film. It won Best Directing Film Award at Sundance. This is one of the most respected film festivals in the world. It was also nominated for the Grand Jury Prize. It was also nominated for Best Film Generation Prize and the Crystal Bear Award at Berlin International Film Fest. Do you think these film festivals play child porn? I ask you, do you? No, they do not. If you are offended by films that legally conform to international law, you have the right to not watch them. Parents who let their children watch movies with a mature rating and then complain about content need to look in the mirror before they start blaming Netflix or Sundance or Berlin Film Festivals or YouTube or Google or wherever content is streamed. If we start boycotting Netflix because they played a film festival film that is an award-winning film, and it may be controversial. Where does this end? Next, they will take away straight porn or extreme gore films or gay porn or multicultural justice films or any controversial film genre that some right wing does not appreciate. I do not want to see cuties. And when I saw the poster for it, I just flipped past it just like I would any content that I feel I do not want to watch. If it's legal to show, then any film deserves its audience. And sometimes directors show shocking things in films. Guess why? To make us look at society, to have the viewers judge our society. Maybe look at yourself first and how you live your life and turn off your fucking TV if things offend you or watch something else. Child pornography makes me rage. Reality TV makes me rage. Reality TV where kids play dress up acting like adults makes me rage. Judgmental alt-right nutjobs who may also make me rage. Parents who let their kids do what they want without parental supervision and then blame society make me rage. And on and on and on and on. But the thing that makes me rage the most is when people try to implement censorship and bullying tactics for things that they believe is true First off, without ever actually seeing the movie or without having per performance content about what the film is even about. And people who impose their beliefs on other people. If something is legal, but you don't like it, then don't watch it and shut it off. That is my rage for this week. Now I will tell you, did I want to see this movie? No, I did not. But I still watched it because I felt if I'm going to talk about this movie that I should probably have seen it. And I will tell you, it did not make it to Mondo, but it was a meh for me. This film did everything that director wanted it to do. This director has been noted to say 
This movie was made to point a mirror at society. And if you don't like it, society, then guess what? Maybe it should be changed. But this movie should be seen and it should show people what society is turning into. What do you say, Bryce? You threw me a curveball at the end, Jim. I don't yes, appreciate I that. Yes, I did. Uh, the one thing that I think that you you didn't mention that I think needs to be mentioned is one thing. I don't I don't disagree with anything you've said, especially now that I know you've seen the movie. Which <laughs> I haven't seen. The movie. But if I didn't, would it make a difference? It would because I don't think you need. I don't think you can comment on something that you haven't seen. It okay, makes you but look like a bit of what a, am I commenting on? I'm not commenting on the movie itself. Wh- yeah, but, I'm commenting what, on people but the, saying. But the one thing that you didn't mention is the fact that Netflix is standing behind this filmmaker 100, percent and they have made the statement that. If you want to watch, you know, you don't want to watch it. No, yeah. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. This is a movie that does need to be seen. Um, I'm not necessarily of that ilk. I don't think it needs to be seen. It was, it was a meh for me as well. Um, There are some, there are a couple of things in it that I wasn't super comfortable with. I was very squeamish watching the Lance last dance. The last dance, and they, 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 there was a certain close up that I think did not need to be in there. But that's or fine. The, that is the filmmaker's choice. The 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 picture that she took that got her on the outs with her friends. Yeah. So I mean, there there was some stuff in here that you know made me squeamish. But at the end of the day, it made its point. Um. But yeah, I, I think the one thing we do have to touch upon though is that absolutely Netflix has stand is standing behind the filmmaker 100%. They're they're not taking it off. They're not kowtowing to the pressure that their feet they're getting from all these these groups as of yet and i don't expect that they will because that's the type of thing that once you do it once then yeah, it's just it's a forced. slippery slope exactly so it's not gonna happen so while this is an issue i don't think it's a huge issue because a couple of right-wing nut jobs is not going to bring netflix down it may not bring it down but i guess where there's been nothing like this and maybe where it's because we're in covid mm. no 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 but let me hear me out in There's the la- since like Netflix, this. but since Netflix has started, there hasn't been a push to this level of getting a mo- of of people actually boycotting Netflix to the level it's at right now. They got we'll we'll see what it what what ends up happening in the end. But this this is this is going to be a blip in the radar. Maybe, I mean Netflix may lose business, but I. The, it's had the most watches of any film probably in the last little while. Uh, I mean, to be honest, this is probably the best thing that could have happened to the filmmaker because it's got eyes on her product. Yeah, that's right. And more often than not, peop- n- number one, more often, as you mentioned, I mean, it won a bunch of awards. It's one of the better reviewed movies that, that you'll ever see, depending on yep. most of the places you go. Unless you go to IMDb where you've got, you know, your bunch of, you know, nut jobs that are just on there just bashing it because they haven't even watched it and they heard what so-and-so, you know, Senator Buttface has said about it and blah, blah, blah. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything you said. Um, and, I, and I'm glad that you actually did watch it. And I do think it makes a difference. I personally don't. I know you because don't. Because I think censorship... I think in order to comment on something... I'm, I'm commenting on censorship. I'm yeah, not really commenting about But the there's movie. no censorship here because there's just some people trying to get a movie Trying to pulled. force it to pull the movie. Yeah. Well, we can debate if that was, offline. If it was up to them, yeah, it would be censorship. But the, the Netflix has said, no, we're not touching it. We're, it's, it's staying the way it is. It, it, we are standing behind the filmmaker because they don't believe in censorship either. That's good. That's good. Spragers, let us know your thoughts. Are you going to cancel your Netflix membership not. because of this? 
We have uh, more intelligent people listening to our program than that, Jim. All right. As Murray sneezes in the corner. <laughs> That's the bell. All right. So uh, mine's uh, pretty quick and to the point. There is so little content coming out in theaters right now. that So why do we have limited releases? This coming week, we have Kajillionaire and Radioactive getting a limited release in Canada. That usually means that if you live in Ontario, Quebec, or BC, you might get to watch this movie. And if you live elsewhere, you probably won't get to watch this movie. I'm just sick of it. Last week, Slacks came out, but not anywhere near me. And now it looks as if history is going to repeat itself this week. Who is making these decisions and why am I stuck with the same five movies in my local theaters when there is a variety of films being released in other provinces? At least for the foreseeable future, it's time to get rid of the limited release and release everything nationwide. All I'm asking for is one screen. Give me one screen dedicated to these limited releases. Um, That's my rage. It's simple. It's to the point. I just want to see more film. As do I. And I want the the Globe to open up both theaters and I want the Plaza to come back. And I want the Uptown to reopen. But those oh, are things that are probably never going to happen. I love the Uptown. Me too. Their popcorn was delicious. Oh, wasn't it? Rage. Subsiding. Pulse. Slowing. Anger fading. Let's take some rage away from us, Mer. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> I have a mild rage, but you might enjoy. What? A Merman Minute with a rage? But it's a funny one. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. I'm smiling already. All right, then. Well, it's no secret that uh, two-thirds of the Film Rage crew don't really like war films very much. I like war films. Yes, that's why I said two-thirds. That's why he said two-thirds. Oh, you two don't. One, two, three. Oh, okay. You don't. You're the one-third. Oh, okay. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I thought everybody was putting their hands up. No. Uh, once in a while, one comes along, uh, talking about you, Sam Mendes, in 1917, that unites us all. More often often than not, we just hate them. Here are some of the worst war movies ever. All right. We got... Bryce is excited. Number five, Revolution, 1985. It only lost $62 million at the box office. It's basically an Al Pacino film about the Revolutionary War, but he spoke with the Brooklyn accent. It has two horrible flaws. One is it got almost every detail about the war wrong. Second, it relies on every screenwriting cliche known to man. Uh, Pacino actually quit acting for five years after this film. And there were some questions over whether he'd ever work again. It, yeah, it was that it's, bad. It's kind of too bad he did. Whatever. All right. Then well, he couldn't take a flamethrower to right. this place. Whatever. Before we got Aloha, which I actually didn't mind, but yeah. It was Is that starring Elvis Presley? No, that's no, a Cameron This is 2015. Cameron Crow, 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 who I like. I know. Will probably never be on Undoubted because of it. Of this film. Uh, it didn't do very well at the box office. Lost $65 million. No one ever expressed a desire to see an Air Force movie since Gene Hackman and Danny Glover in Bat 2-1, which was awesome. Okay. And that was 1988. Someone should have told Cameron Crowe to make this movie about Marines and not cast Emma Stone as an Asian woman. That was a little What? Bradley Cooper was pretty bad, too. Oh, yeah, uh, even Bill Murray couldn't save this one. All right, then we got number three, Alexander, 2004. Ugh. Lost $90 million. Why are you picking all the bad ones? How come you're not picking all my favorites? Because it's the worst. Oh, okay, That's good. the whole point. 
You'll not find a bigger fan of Alexander the Great than me. In fact, that's actually my middle name. That's right, my middle name is Great. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that. I was looking forward to this one so much, and then I saw it. Directed by Oliver Stone, starring an amazing cast, Anthony Hopkins, Christopher Plummer, Angelina Jolie, Jared Leto, Rosaria Dawson, Val Kilmer, and Colin Farrell as the Troubled Conqueror. You'd think that a film by Oliver Stone about the world's greatest military genius would be a surefire hit. Unfortunately, like the great general himself, Alexander enraged people from Greece all the way to India. Historians and critics both agreed this film was way too long and needed more fighting. Unless those critics are American, in which case the biggest concern seemed to be that Alexander the Great might have been gay. That's okay by me. As an added bonus, Pharaoh's Alexander had the hots for his own mother, Angelina Jolie, who was the same age as him. Sweet. No wonder Stone made him gay for the rest of the film. (laughs) This film made me hate Oliver Stone and Colin Farrell for a really long time. Number two, we got your boy Nicholas in Wind Talkers. Oh, Wind Talkers. 2002, lost only $107 million. Uh, Called one of the most inaccurate war movies ever made. It also tried to tell the story of World War II Navajo code talkers through the eyes of a white guy. Directed by an Asian, John Woo, but it had Adam Beach in it. Half the film killing a lot of Japanese soldiers. Um, this film is less about Navajo codebreakers and mostly about Cage's crazy sergeant. Woo certainly blows a lot of stuff up, neck. but there's no story, and it pissed off a lot of Native Americans. Yeah, I can see that. And the number one is stealth. Stealth. Oh, stealth. Oh, God, stealth. <laughs> I forgot about I wish I could forget about that. It lost $116 million. Oh, God. And this is a robot plane based in downtown Rangoon, which has been called that since 89. After it's hit by lightning, it becomes more alive, downloads songs from the internet, starts to think for itself, and then one of the pilots trying to stop it gets shot down over North Korea. Some more stuff happens, but then they discover the plane has feelings. Feelings. Uh, Roger Ebert summed it up best. Stealth is an offense against taste, intelligence, and the noise pollution code. Might be of interest to know if you want if you want lots of jet planes going real fast, making a lot of noise. If you don't care, the story doesn't really defy logic, but strips logic bare and cremates it and scatters its ashes. Here's a movie with a nerve to discuss a computer brain like a quantum sponge while violating Newton's laws of motion. How, you ask? Well, let me explain. The plane's about to explode. The pilot ejects. The plane explodes. Flaming debris falls out of the sky and threatens to hit the pilot in the parachute. The plane's going at Mach 2. Wouldn't the debris be flying miles away from the, <laughs> where the pilot's Probably. Going? The parachute sucks up the flaming debris like a quantum sponge. It was just horrible science is fun science is fun when it's done right and jamie fox i think destroyed his career with this movie i think he kind of went downhill for a bit well this, this is one. after what? he did Ray, so he won his oscar i, I know it's like he was like i can do anything i can make terrible movies now and people still love me but there they didn't go. there you go anyway that's all i got mer you bring the joy the absolute uh, joy i try On the lists Onward this week. Does anybody have anything to bring forward? Negatory. 
Uh, nope. Well, I've got a doubted. I've got a undoubted. And I've got a mesmerized this week. So I'm bringing up the doubted because we talked about this movie last week. And she barely makes it off because this movie started before this. But I'm adding Madonna to the doubted <laughs> list. In 1992, Body of Evidence, which to me was a rage. That had Willem Dafoe, right? Doesn't matter. <laughs> it was terrible. It wasn't good. And Dangerous Game, which was a rage. Yeah, it was a rage. Blue in the Face was a rage. Yeah, it was a rage. Four rooms. It wasn't a mondo. That it was, was a, a meh. It was a meh. Mondo. It was a meh. That was a mondo. Oh, uh, you're dumb. Well, that stops it there. But we'll just keep going yeah, forward. Just for fun. Girl Six was a rage. That was a rage. Evita was a rage. That was a rage. The next big thing was a rage. Rage. Swept away was a triple was sadistic a rage. rage. Yeah. Directed by her husband at the time. Guy Ritchie. Yeah. Which destroyed his career. For a while. Eh, and he came back. I would just like, I just want to point out this yet again. Bryce's terrible taste in movies has caused another fully doubted person to now stay off the doubted list. Or rooms was Mondo. It was a meh because the whole movie was not great. Mondo. There was an episode in one of the rooms where Madonna was in it. Mondo. And it destroyed the entire movie. Eh, well, it, it made it a meh. Coven of Witches, it was okay. It was a meh. Yeah, that was, and that, she should that be was, off the list. That was the low point of the movie, but the movie was Mondo. No, the movie was meh. I loved Four Rooms. Well, you were dumb. Tim Roth is awesome. Now, I also want to talk about the fact that I tried to get uh, Robert Pattinson to be on the undoubted list. But then I remembered he was in the movie The King, which I'm not sure if you ever did see. Yeah. Which was one of the no, biggest rages for me of this year. And I That's pray I pray that Bryce sees it because I'm almost certain that he's going to give it a mondo. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> because I don't. it's it's boring and oh. there's nothing that happens to the entire Oh, movie. that sounds good. All right. Well, this week I'm going to put forward a director, the director, Denis or Denis Villeneuve. Mm, 2000, he made Maelstrom. Villeneuve. Which was a mondo. He made, Mondo. he made 2019's Polytechnic, which was a Mondo. Mondo. He made Incendies. <laughs> that what's Incendies? Yeah, I saw Incendies that one. Incendies was a Mondo. He made Prisoners, which was a Mondo. Prisoners was a Mondo. I thought you didn't think Prisoners was a Mondo. No, I didn't undermine Prisoners. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Enemy, which I have as a Mondo. Yeah. And then Sicario, which I have as a meh, but you Mondo. have as a Mondo. Mondo. And then he did Arrival, which to me was a Mondo. Murray, mondo, did that make really? that, could, that couldn't have made you rage because it's no, got your I, girl Amy Adams in it. I, I liked it, but uh, it was weird. It was awesome. It was a Mondo. And then his final was Blade Runner 2049, Nine. which for me was a Mondo. It's a Mondo. I agree on that one. So what are you showing your hands? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, so eight. That, that makes him undoubted. Yes. There you go. That's eight. Yeah. Is that what your symbol of eight is? I knew that. I made the list. <laughs> That's eight. He can yeah, count. He made a mondo. He's <laughs> he's undoubted. He's undoubted. Yeah. There, there we go. go. He gets to put, go on the list. You're not even excited about it. I'm super pumped. That was Are a good you? one. You don't seem that super pumped. Nicely played, Jim. Yeah. And I just want to remind everybody that Madonna is should be doubted. No, no. She was in four rooms. Which was a man. 
And mesmerized this week, I'm putting out who I thought we had on there somewhere, Stephen Merchant. Yeah, yeah, he's funny. How could you not? The guy's great in everything. Jojo Rabbit? Come on. Oh. He has made a lot of movies. Logan? Fantastic. That's true, I guess. He's great. Uh, He steals the scene from everybody. Uh, You cannot. Quit looking with that dumb Madonna loving face of yours and give us the goods. Yeah, Steven Merchant's not mesmerizing. What are you talking about? How are you? Who are you? And what did you do with Bryce? You have obviously never seen him uh, in Leather Chaps singing Christina Aguilera's Dirty. Apparently not. A lip sync battle. No. Which is what he did. No, I Every haven't. movie he's in, he's fucking hilarious. Mm. Even when he's not supposed to be. He's still Yeah, hilarious. I don't think he knows how to be serious. No, he doesn't. Well, apparently Bryce, again, is dumb. And Stephen Merchant will not be able to make our mesmerized oh, list. well, he's still fun to watch. He is. Well, that's it for this week, unless you guys got something. No. He's not mesmerizing. He is mesmerizing. All right. Uh, we'll see about that. Alrighty. Last time on Rage or Dare, Jim had to squeeze Bryce's vegan bag till the tasty uh, nut-filled film The Boss popped out. This week, the boys will have to put their sticky fingers into my bag and pull till I release a great big treat for them to view, or will they accept my dare surely to make them squeal with delight? Let's check with Jim and see if seeing Peter, Peter Dinklage and Melissa McCarthy having sex makes it Hard for Jim to rage or just hard? Melissa McCarthy is hilarious. As is Kristen Bell, Peter Dinklage, and a pleasant surprise to see Kathy Bates and Christian Stahl. So much funny in this. It's dirty, foul mouth, and you never know what Melissa was going to say next. You just never knew. This, of all McCarthy films, really showcased her dirty, filthy mouth that only she can deliver. We got to listen to her talk about her vagina, like at least four times, and who doesn't want to hear that? I know I I do. I don't. Plus, the Girl Guide adjacent fight scene was so hilarious, I could not stop laughing. No, it wasn't. It was so funny. This brought back many memories of my children and brownies and how I wish they had punched the crap out of the next door neighbor's brownies. Was this movie premise completely stupid and would never happen in any possible universe that any logic would be part of? Yes. Was the comedy insanely crude and disgusting and absolute? Yes, it is. Should this have made me rage because of the idiocy? 100%. It should have. But... There were parts in this movie that were so funny that I could not rage. I will list them for you now so you may all search them on YouTube. Cookie Sales Rumble, Kirsten Bell and Melissa McCarthy's Breast Exams, Kathy Bass in general, Peter Dinklage and Melissa McCarthy's Sex Scenes, and I say scenes because it's plural, Chainsaw Massacre, Pufferfish Sushi, Petey's Orgasm. So even though... There was some hilarity moments. This film overall was still a rage. As I really do hate predictable comedy movies that don't follow any logical feasibility in the reality in which we live. Did I wholeheartedly laugh out loud at many times in this movie? 
Yes, I did. Really? Because my humor is twisted and fucked up. I concur on that. Favorite line, the brains never sucks a dick. Uh-huh. This gets a very, very high rage, almost a meh, for some truly hilarious moments. But again, unlike Bryce, I have sense in my head. Now, let's find out what nasty treats we have to pull from Murray's bag this week. Mm-hmm. Or do you want to take a dare? You feel? Do you feel lucky? No, no, let's just pull from the bag. Pull from this sweet bag. You want me to do the honors? You're closer. Oh, this bag is so hot. Murray, what have you been putting in this bag? I can feel oh, it's so juicy and good. What do we got? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I can Something see it good? already. It's not good. It's long. What's the so Phantom of the Opera with something, blah, blah, blah. From 2004, Murray's favorite movie, Phantom of the Opera. I do have this one on DVD, by the way. I'm oh, sorry. Good, we can what, borrow it. What is Phantom that's a, that's of a, it's the Broadway the musical. Opera it's a Broadway musical. Brought a to a movie in 2004. Gerard Butler. People. Gerard Butler. Ger- yeah. Gerard Butler and can you imagine and, how well Gerard um, Butler sings? What's her name from... Um, no, I don't I uh, think you're making stuff up. This no, dude, up. this is a real thing. This didn't happen. Yes, it did. Yeah, it's, it's so. You're saying there was a theatrical release of Phantom of the Opera. Yes, a musical yep. one. Just like With Cats. Gerard Butler. Yes. Yep. Who can Gerard sing? Butler, yes. Emma, Emmy Rossum, Patrick Wilson, Miranda Richardson, Minnie Driver. Minnie Driver, yeah. Singing Simon really Cowell? Callow? Victor McGuire, Jennifer Ellison, Murray Melvin. This sounds terrible. (laughs) You guys will love it. I already hate this because I hate operas. And I hate anything that Gerard Butler's in. So this is the Phantom of the Opera. The Phantom of the Opera. Something, something. How does it go? It's not the Robert England one from like the early 90s. No, that one's awesome. I would never put that on there. Murray. Sing what? the one. What I'm is it? How's it going? Phantom of the Opera. Something. Something. Is something. This, is this the one with the big chandelier? There, there are always there, a big chandelier in the Phantom of the Opera. What kind of question is that? Uh, I've seen you the actual musical. You've gone crazy. I've seen the actual musical about ten times. Bitch, you crazy? Now. What? Because I love it. Well, good. We can lend it's us the actually, movie. You know what? Real quick, I did go see the Phantom of the Opera because my, my at the in two thousand and four. I don't know when it was. It was a long time ago. Was Gerard Butler in it? Uh, no, it was at the the, uh, the uh, Jubilee Auditorium. Mm-hmm. Went with my father, mm-hmm. and I literally—I think we got about ten minutes in, and he was snoring, and I had to <laughs> elbow him in the ribs, and he woke up. And I think about a half an hour in, he had to elbow me in the ribs to wake me up. And I would say between the two of us, we maybe saw like thirty percent of the of the. Did of either the play. one of you throw up? But I don't think anybody around us really appreciated that we were there because. We were both snoring because it, it was so boring. But did you throw up? No, I, I I wasn't awake long enough to throw up. I mean, I would I was bored to tears. Uh, I uh, plan on throwing up for this. I'm gonna get super drunk. I'm gonna watch this movie and then I plan on throwing just, up through just, the entire just movie. Just have a bucket close by. You'll be fine. It will. Right. You don't want to clean up. Well, so we got lots going on next week. We're going to be. Talk and Sif next week. We'll still be in for our regular episode on Wednesday. Yep. But uh, then we'll be doing some regular stuff. We'll talk more about that next Wednesday. So that's it. 
Thanks, Ragers, for listening. Thanks, Extended Film Rage Crew of Leonard Conlon for his artistic vision and photography. And we got to get some pictures more with Leonard. The uh, Leonard Conlon Photography. Listen to us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Bramble, and Spotify. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and check out our website at filmrageyyc.com. We are always wanting your feedback to make this a raging blast for all listeners. So please comment often and please, please make us rage. That's it for this week. Rage on. Rage on. <laughs>